I'm Martin Lee, co-founder and director of Project CBD, an educational resource that focuses on cannabis science and therapeutics. And I'm here on the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. My biggest pet peeve in terms of the way things are going with cannabis and the whole cannabis industry, it's in some ways becoming a reflection of mainstream America. Welcome to the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. I'm Neil. I'm the Big Mouth Pharmacist. I'm a pretty sarcastic, slightly unprofessional healthcare professional, a holistic pharmacist here to talk about everything wellness, weed, and Woodstock. We broadcast from the most famous small town in America, where I hold court as the town's family pharmacist who tries to get people off their medicines and onto a wellness program free of the BS and misinformation of the natural products industry. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Neil Smoller, holistic pharmacist, owner of Woodstock Vitamins. You can get me at woodstockvitamins.com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Woodstock Vitamins. Check us out on Twitter. Really awesome handle, at NoBSVitamins. We've got a great show today. Don't forget to subscribe to us or like our podcast page on Facebook. And of course, rate and review the show because it helps others find us and share the love. So enough of the promo shtick. Let's get to business. Uh, Martin A. Lee is the director of Project CBD. He's found at projectcbd.org, an educational service focusing on cannabis science and therapeutics. He's the author of several books, including Smoke Signals, A Social History of Marijuana, Medicinal, Recreational, and Scientific, and also Acid Dreams, A Social History of LSD. Email him at info at projectcbd.org. I hope you enjoy our conversation around CBD and specifically the myths and misinformation around CBD therapy. So basically, CBD things are heating up. Trends are going crazy, right? So what do you have to say about the explosion of CBD in America? Yes, we are in the midst of an explosion of interest in CBD in America. And um, it highlights all that America is right now. It's a very consumer-oriented thing. There's a lot of big money coming in. Um, we, we, we got involved with CBD 10 years ago in Northern California. Watching the CBD narrative unfold, of the past 10 years has been quite amazing. Uh, we're not only watching, we're participating, but now we're at this point where, yes, it's we call it the it medicine of the moment. It's um, colossal big dollars. That's what it's, it's that's yeah, I mean, dollars. there's it's just money is moving into the industry and, and you can you can kind of already see where the life cycle is gonna go with this, where like every Cheech and Chong type is making CBD products now and trying to get into the market, but then they're gonna drop off and the more mature people will thrive, but then they'll start getting acquired by the big well, guys. And soon Anheuser-Busch will be making CBD and we won't be able to buy it anywhere else. <laughs> you know, Coca-Cola is talking about it. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure Coca-Cola getting involved is better than Cheech and Chong, frankly. I'd probably prefer the latter, but I think maybe there's some other options. Um, <laughs> Why you know, do you say that? Well, um, uh, you know, it, it, the, when you mention Cheech and Chong, I know it's sort of a um, code word caricature, whatever. It refers to the counterculture, the, the cannabis counterculture, the pot subculture, as it were. That's where CBD emerged from. And, mm-hmm. and that, that's where it came, it came out of the medical marijuana experience in, in California 10 years ago, which was a THC get stoned oriented experience, which is not to say that's not uh, you know very powerfully medical. It is, um, but that's what it's the experience with the THC rich cannabis that opened the door to CBD rich cannabis. And now it's legalized itself through CBD. It's, it's quite a story. Uh, it's, it is quite a story. I guess more what I say when I mention the Cheech and Chong type, it's it's like the idea that anybody can open a functioning, successful business just because they have the passion for it. It's almost, you know, just like with any small business, you always end up having somebody that's, oh, like I'm, I'm a really good mechanic. I'm going to open a car repair shop. And, and they don't understand the difference between passion and business uh, sense and, and maturity, right? So then they're they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing to make good products that are safe and, and such. So, you know. Again, it, it's complicated because again, CBD first emerged in a very much mom and pop artisanal way. Mm-hmm. People were first making these products. They, they, it was very much a, an at-home thing. And, and uh, those products were actually pretty good and they worked. Uh, mm-hmm. There's something to be said for that. There are these business realities, and particularly now where the floodgates have been open and literally have billions of dollar valuations for, for these cannabis companies. Um, but it's um, that changes things and it affects everything. It's very much a mixed bag, frankly. And, th- and a lot of that has to do with, you know, that's an expression of what the world is right now, what America is right now. Um, 
and uh, there are alternatives to that, and it doesn't have to be that way. You know, we're based in California, Project Symphony, and we've been very much a part of the whole transition into the legal market, uh, which mm -hmm. is fraught with ambiguity, and it's, it's a mix, very much a mixed bag. Have, but it, it's a lot of it how it's regulated. You don't have to regulate it so that the big fish, you know, eat the smaller fish. Uh, it, it can be regulated differently, but it's always, re you know, lack of regulation is is also a kind of regulation. And frankly, cannabis therapeutics is all about regulation. It's all about priming that system, the endocannabinoid system. So you know, what we're seeing today with, with this sort of libertarian capitalist surge around CBD is, is it's what it is, but the pendulum will swing the other way. Uh, it, it's People will soon enough discover that there's more to cannabis therapeutics than buying something on the internet and taking it. You know, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, there's a level of sophistication that isn't being brought by um, by this flood. Like it's a gold rush, and with it comes uh, and there's plenty of amazing things that are going about. What I'm seeing is the real public health issues, and yeah. the public health issues is around this regulation concept. So let's dig into that because I, I think you would give great insight since you've been a part of this revolution from the beginning, and you guys are like the source of great information here. So if you were to to be that person that could sit next to the Congress people and, and really be able to write these regulations, what would you say needs to be, that isn't done now, that needs to be done to make CBD a success? Well, you know, success in what level? Success as a, a, a therapeutic adjunct is something to, that people can improve their health with is what we're focused on. I'm not worried yeah. mm -hmm. less, less than the business side of it. In terms of public health, the policy should be oriented toward having very wide and easy access to CBD-rich products. I agree. Along with education and along with fairly rigorous safety standards for what's in these products, what's allowed to be in these products. Uh, but overall, a policy that doesn't privilege single molecules rather than the whole plant as the whole pharmaceutical FDA setup is oriented for it now. Uh, and that has value, uh, that approach, a single molecule, you know, the pharmaceutical approach to there's a lot that you can do with cannabis that way, but there's a lot more you can do with the whole plan. You have to have a multi-level approach, but ultimately, I think this is something that should be cheap and easily available far and wide. I think CBD-rich products should be part of a national health care, a single-payer program that would actually make it work because you reduce disease. If yes. it was done in a way you know, with intelligence and respect for the plant and understanding that we're learning as we go along. But frankly, we've learned a lot over the last 10 years in California and elsewhere. And the, and the scientific research has been going on earlier than that. You're in New York. I don't know where your listeners, that, what the demographics are. But if you're in New York, it's a very different situation than it is in California. Yeah. Um, and there's some actually very positive things about California, uh, the way it's done it. And in other ways, it's been problematic. The, the transition from the illegal, the black market into legal environment has been very tricky. Uh, it's only been since um, uh, 2006, uh, actually New Year's Day 2017, uh, that, that uh, cannabis was legalized for adult use in Canada, uh, California. Right. Um, and, but they had a very strong medical program there before, a very robust program. And oftentimes, you know, when I visited state legislators and who were thinking about implementing a medical marijuana program in coast states and so forth, uh, it would, uh, typically the mantra, well, we don't want to be like California. You know, actually, there's a lot of ways you could, New York should be like California. It's so restricted in New York, medical marijuana. You have to practically die to get in, you know, to participate in the program. We don't even know who the doctors are. I mean, yeah, you know, it, like. It, it, so you have a very immature situation there. So I can maybe complain about the situation in California or in some ways how things have gone or how it could have gone better, but, you know, compared to the situation in New York, you'd be like, wow, we, we had no problems. And many places around the world, incidentally, would wish they had the kind of problems we have in California. But, you know, this is a plant that can be grown in your backyard. It's fairly easy to grow. It's fairly easy to make products at home, safe, good, good quality products for family use. When, when cannabis prohibition was implemented, going back to 1937, it didn't stop these families from having their tinctures and whatnot that they'd make with this plant. So that always carried on. But now we're seeing such a, a huge um, uh, shift that's pro-cannabis oriented, which the CBD phenomenon you know, was both helped to catalyze that. I mean, CBD definitely did advance something that was already going on in the culture. 
And that is, we were already in the midst of a pro-cannabis culture shift when CBD hit the scene, which started in 2010, actually, 2009, really hit maybe a few years after that. Now it's totally exploded. It's gone in phases, and, and it's, uh, like I said, it's quite a story. And in some basic ways, I'm not surprised that it's gotten so popular. Ten years ago, we felt that this could be a really big deal because CBD is not intoxicating and can kind of lower the intoxicating properties of a particular product or, you know, a, a cannabis strain. Yep. Um, and, and it's also from what we knew from the preclinical science and some limited clinical studies that we were aware of, but extensive preclinical science that, that it, if this, if, if it worked in any way for humans, as it did for mice, this is going to be amazing. And, right. and, uh, but, it, but also at that time, one other point I wanted to, you know, very early on, we, we saw this whole phenomenon potentially enrolling in a way that was, wasn't just about an individual's health uh, or a person with some catastrophic illness that can really, you know, sometimes CBD is like a magic bullet. In a broader sense, that the idea that CBD would help to liberate cannabis from the drug abuse paradigm. That, that, that cannabis was stuck in this stupid reefer madness, you know, hangover model uh, that, that we couldn't quite get out of, it, even in, in California. When CBD appeared, it was rediscovered in Northern California in, in certain strains. There were a lot of federal raids going on, even though it was the Obama administration. Obama wasn't very good uh, about medical cannabis. So, you know, we, we thought this could really have a big impact on a socio-political level, on a cultural level. It could really shift the whole discussion about cannabis prohibition because there was just no reason conceivable that you would it would, would keep something like this illegal if it's not intoxicating right. there's a lot of medical benefits mm-hmm. so we knew this was going to be a big problem for the federal government and it's proven to be the case i think like cbd has disordered the cosmos of the fda you know? yeah i mean if you look at like what the current regulatory environment is around cbd it's like uh, all these different jurisdictions are uh, are all having contradictions Dictory responses. You know, the FDA has clearly said CBD as a supplement is not a legal thing. Um, we don't support it. It's not a, a legal thing, but it, the cat's out of the bag and we need to create a pathway to make this happen. And, and besides, you know, the FDA route, there's other routes out there for CBD to become a product that's accessible as you and I both want. But then you have the state jurisdictions. In New York, the Bureau of Narcotic Enforcement says, I can't sell it in my pharmacy, even though I'm educating my consumers on how to use it appropriately because I have a pharmacist license and it's a Schedule One agent. It's like cocaine. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? actually, you know, the curious thing about CBD, at the same time it's Schedule One, it's also Schedule Five as a, right. as a single molecule pharmacist. So when right. I say disordered the cosmos of the yeah. regulators, it really has. They don't know how to deal with this. This is a hot potato. It, the, the cat is so far out of the bag that the, the, the FDA and the federal government just look like idiots because you can get this stuff at any gas station you can get it at yard sales. And like the real green light for me is that CVS and Rite Aid and Walgreens have now announced that in different states, they're going to start selling this stuff. So I'm like, okay, well, now I can I can put my big boy hat on and we can start really providing this because we know if those guys' legal departments uh, have approved it, you know, I think that we'll be, we'll be pretty good uh, in, in this whole picture. And, th- and there's a lot of us that are concerned, but then you're not even talking, you're talking about the product. What about all of the banking associated with it, where our credit card processor won't even allow us to, 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 to we have to do cash only after that, put an ATM in, in the store, you know? Again, it's very ironic because, it, you know, American business is all about making money. And they're just making it <laughs> difficult. I mean, you know, in, in California, you have to pay your taxes if you're a marijuana visit and, and you have to pay it in cash because yeah, you don't have, right. that's the, the, the whole, it's still a cash economy. Yeah. So you're talking, you know, some of these companies are pulling in, you know, three, four, five million dollars of sales a, a, a month, and Which so they have to they go amazing, <laughs> right? So real, then real barrow, you know, in the twenties. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Right. Again, so like, so our listeners know, like literally in California, the, the, the successful businesses have storage units with armed guards and cameras that they bring their cash to, and they just have mountains of cash in these storage units. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's crazy. Because you think banks are all about bringing money, and they had no problem dealing with cocaine money when it was no, going. No, of on. course, and all the uh, you know the other stuff. Deutsche Bank is getting you know banged on right now. You know all the crazy Russian money. So let's talk about. I, I really want to talk about. CBD myths and misinformation, because that's really where our bread and butter is here. Like that's really what we focus on is is the wrong information. So, if are there any like CBD or cannabis related myths that you feel like everybody needs to know? 
Well, when you're dealing with cannabis and CBD, you're dealing with uh, a world in which the opposites can both be true. In so, what way? Well, there's a big push behind the whole CBD industry, which finds that the easiest path to sell this stuff is to not include THC in the product. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that means you can get isolates very easy, basically CBD isolate, or um, what they call broad spectrum, uh, meaning a full spectrum of the oil that's in the plant, but they just remove the THC from it. So you have CBD in there with a whole bunch of other, other things. The latter, the latter is more effective than the former, but the problem is they're leaving out THC and it's now legal uh, to include THC in a small amount. It it has to be 0.3% THC or less, which is sort of ridiculous. It hardly makes a difference except that's the legal boundary. So you you have uh, companies in terms of what's out there, the, the idea that, I mean, there's so many myths and misconceptions, but the idea that CBD is a really good thing. So pure CBD is the best. That's one uh, misconception. Actually, CBD works better when it's coupled with THC. We, we refer to CBD and THC as the power couple of cannabis therapy. Well, can we dig into that a little bit? Because like one of the things I like to tell consumers when they're buying CBD from me and they're like, oh, I want the one with the 0.3%. And like you just said, it's arbitrary. They're literally adding it back and calculating it out. So they're giving exactly that 0.3%. But we don't know if that 0.3% actually has any therapeutic value. It does the synergism stuff that I think you're alluding to here is that CBD and THC kind of need to be together is, is in some degree. Uh, well, but- I, th- I think it's very well established at this point. And given what the science that's been done, that's been both work in test tubes and Petri dishes and animal studies and human clinical trials shows that when CBD is a part, even just with a little THC, mm-hmm. uh, and generally if there's a little THC in there, it's not so much that it's inserted back. It's just that when the oil is extracted from the plant, that's how much is in there and they don't have to tamper with that but there's some issues it's more likely to because when you extract oil you tend to concentrate what's in there right if your cbd is at uh, 15 percent uh, by dry weight and your thc is 0.3 percent that's when you pull it out your your cbd might be up to now 50 percent and your right. thc will be above 0.3 percent yes. and that's typical so that means any product maker almost who's involved with this is breaking the law at some point in the cycle because they will have yes. oil that have, which then they have to take out the THC to get it under 0.3%. Right. And put it in a drum waiting for the rainy day for when, when THC well, becomes Well, allegedly legal. it's uh, allegedly, <laughs> well, it's kind of allegedly they're supposed to be destroyed, but we, yes. we know that that's not the case that literally this stuff is kept in storage and, and yeah. all over the place. it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. The point about that, when, when there's been comparisons, there's been a very interesting meta analysis done when they looked at the different, this is some Brazilian scientists. We wrote about this at Project CBD, uh, uh, meta analysis of epilepsy and CBD study, meaning there's been a lot of clinical data on the single molecule CBD Mm-hmm. as being uh, how it affects uh, children with catastrophic seizure disorders, certain, certain types of these disease disorders. And it, it's been shown that UW Pharmaceuticals, a, a British-based company, is, uh, went through all the trials you have to, all the, all the hoops that the FDA requires, and got, got CBD basically as an isolate. It's a tiny, tiny bit of some other stuff in there, um, approved as a pharmaceutical. Uh, yep. Schedule five, meaning the lo- least danger, you know, the, the lowest schedule you can have. Um, uh, th- they extract the CBD from hemp that they grow in, in England, um, and they've got this product. And this is so you have a lot of data on how how this affects uh, how it affects people and how much uh, how high a dosage you need to have the effect you want, reducing seizures in children, sometimes elim- eliminating them entirely, which is phenomenal. Right. Uh, but then you look at the CBD-rich oil, meaning a uh, full-spectrum oil from the plant uh, that has a tiny bit of THC, but enough to qualify as hemp uh, rather than can- uh, marijuana. And, uh, but mainly CBD, but hundreds of other compounds that are in there as well. So like, what do you mean by that, the hundreds of other compounds? So like, what are the kinds of things are you, you looking for? You have the so-called minor cannabinoids, terpenes, the, the, the compounds that give the plant its smell. These all have medicinal properties. Uh, the flavonoids, mm-hmm. other polyphenols, many different things. But the point is when they compare the efficacy of the full spectrum oil to the isolate, what they find is that they're both effective but the full spectrum, when the CBD is part of the full spectrum, it's about five times as more potent, meaning you, you need a lot less CBD in there. 
to have the effect that you are looking for. It also is much safer because with the isolates, you have to use such a high amount of CBD to get the effect that you're looking for, uh, that that's when you get dangerous drug, potentially dangerous drug interactions. Because typically these children are also on other uh, anti-epileptic drugs and things like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. They found dangerous interactions can take place because you need very high amounts of CBD to be effective. And you yeah. also need very precise amounts in the sense that if you, if you undershoot it by just a little or overshoot it by a little, it, it, the, the efficacy dramatically falls off. Yeah. So, you know, there is a value to the pharmaceutical. GW Pharmaceutical proved it. They went through all the clinical trials. I, my hat's off to them for that. The problem is not what they've done. The problem is this is the only thing the government recognizes as valid medicine with respect to CBD when it is very clear. There's overwhelming anecdotal evidence, oh my God. Some, uh, yeah. some, some clinical evidence, and, and, and very strong uh, preclinical research that validates the anecdotal reports that the, the, the oils, when they're safe, when they're clean, when they don't have uh, solvent residues or pesticide residues, these are very can be very effective for people and not just for kids with epilepsy, but a wide range of conditions. Um, but, but it takes oftentimes more than just getting a tincture and putting it under your tongue. I mean, you know, yes. that or smoking a joint. I mean, these things can help dramatically, uh, but most often people need to work with these materials, experiment, you know, figure out what's best for them. Right. Uh, but, well, that's one of the things you were you were kind of hinting on, like, are the cats out of the bag? And everybody's really excited about marijuana, and we're, we're the pendulum swinging. I, I say this all the time. People are so excited about CBD and marijuana being legal that they want to crisscross those two worlds with, like, the edible idea of, of THC, which is a very good way to get that drug in there, isn't really the best way to get it from a CBD perspective, in my opinion, because of the inconsistency of the dosing and absorption. And because with CBD, we do want to have a more refined take than we do when we're trying for the euphoria, just trying to get a little high, right? But then the quality control issues, of course, are the big issue with with, with this like edible thing. Um, how do we know that your gummy bear is going to deliver a 10 milligram dose? So like, as you're saying, all of this needs to be uh, controlled in a much better way if we're going to look towards the, the therapeutic aspect of it. You know, it's not like rocket science. Accurate labels that reflect what's in the product, right? And and, and uh, make sure that it doesn't include corn syrup and artificial colors and, and pesticides and herbicides and, and heavy yeah, metals. And make, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the federal government has not been particularly great, or even state at regulating products. They they do it in terms more of the priority of the businesses making the products than the public health criteria. And right. we see that time and time again. So you know, maybe in this case, ironically because cannabis is so dangerous uh, that they'll actually <laughs> re regulate it. Well, I, you know, that maybe yeah. that's a shoot the moon hope. But I, I think, you know, one of the overarching misconceptions that you're talking about before is the notion that um, what's great about CBD is that it's non-psychoactive. That doesn't get people high as an isolate, as a single molecule. It doesn't. Right. But that they're missing the point there. What's so amazing about CBD is it's how it interacts with THC and that it, that, that, that it enables a person to um, manage psychoactivity. It's not about eliminating it. It's about managing it because CBD and THC do add a lot. They synergize therapeutically and you want the THC in there. Unfortunately, the, the trend is in, in terms of focusing just on legalizing CBD with only a minimal amount of THC. Well, it's something, but they're really missing a lot when you do that. And, and part of uh, when we talk about public health and policy, we shouldn't just be focusing on CBD, on the whole plant and on education so people can learn how to use this stuff to maximize the therapeutic act. Uh, right, because that's that's the part that isn't being done because it's everywhere, because you can't get it at a gas station. You, you don't have those gas station attendants telling people how to use this or how to calculate their dose. Well, so one of when you're talking about, look, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to say, even in ca cannabis dispensaries, oftentimes the advice isn't the greatest. You know, and, Right. Yes, but, right, because but, they don't have the same regs that we do in pharmacy, which is like, this is the information that has to be handed out. This is the counseling 
something that has to be done every single time. You know, so I, I feel like pharmacists are, are really poised to, to take the lead in the CBD industry because of our training and education experience. But, you know, a lot of pharmacists are, are a little bit resistant to it because they don't know enough about it, you know? Well, in some states, it's mandated that the medical cannabis program um, it requires that it's the pharmacist that's it's the gatekeeper in a sense, or that the, 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 the point of contact with, with the patient. In Minnesota, it's that way. I think in Utah now they've made it that way. And I, I mean, I think it's fine, but I don't think it. I don't think that that's necessary to, to regulate it that way. I think certainly right. it should be encouraged that pharmacists are involved in this whole process, and it makes a yeah. lot of sense. But you know, this is something that's very safe that people can do at home, yes. and it's a matter of maximizing the benefits and avoiding the lousy stuff. And, and that is more about regulate. The latter is more about regulating. You know, industry. Right. You, you should be able to see what's on in a product. And when I go into dispensaries sometimes and see CBD gummies with artificial flavors <laughs> or, or vape cartridges with, with uh, uh, thinning agents that are known yeah. to be carcinogenic, yeah. you know, it's like, again, it becomes a reflection of America. We don't have to go that route with, with right. cannabis and CBD. It can be regulated in a better way. Right. So I think regulation smart regulation and oriented really toward public health rather than colossal big dollars right. uh, is what's required here. Well, you know, and the thing is, is like it doesn't, it, it doesn't require a lot of regulations because it's relatively simple. But then again, you've got all the hangover of reefer madness where limiting it just to CBD or, or what they call hemp, but all these categories are breaking down. And I think as people get more involved with this, they're going to discover that they need more than just CBD. Or that with their interaction with CBD, whether it's an isolate or a full spectrum oil, may be positive. But but we what we hear from people very typically, this is almost like an archetypical rite of passage uh, from some epileptics. Let's say grown up epileptics, they try a single molecule CBD and it actually helps them. It kind of take the edge off the seizures. Maybe makes them not as it's not as harsh. You know, maybe even limp, uh, minimize the number, uh, and it helps. But then it tapers off. So then they go to a full spectrum oil, uh, and, and wow, that even helps more. Yeah. Uh, more so, uh, but then also it, it tapers off after a while, reach a plateau, and it doesn't deliver what it was initially. And they real then they start working with if they're in a state like California or you know some of the other legal states um, where you have options. So they start working with with combinations of CBD and THC, and they might end up with something that actually has more THC than CBD in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that work, works for them, and they stay there, and it really works for a long time. You yeah. know, people shouldn't be denied those opportunities, and it, it, it's very clear. There's a lot of research, uh, uh, data, both scientifically and anecdotal, that, 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 that points to how well CBD and THC work together, how CBD can lower the intoxicating effect of THC, but maybe not eliminate it, depending on how much of each are there. And that might be perfectly fine for a person. So really, for us, it's about managing psychoactivity, not eliminating it. Right. Some people, they will need to eliminate it. They just can't handle it all. Uh, they're just too sensitive to THC. And there's about uh, there's reasons for this. It's it, Genetically, about 20% of Caucasians have, a, have a, a, what they call a polymorphism Mm-hmm. Or, uh, variation and abnormality on, on the, yeah, and their metabolites yeah, yep. on, a, on a gene that encodes the uh, uh, enzymes and proteins that will metabolize THC and if, mm-hmm. so if they're in a situation that these aren't working well if the THC doesn't get metabolized it stays in their system and it just you know wallops them well you all know people like that oh yeah you everybody know, likes to don't... tell me that story I don't smoke pot because I got paranoid and yeah. everybody goes through their war stories right <laughs> yeah no or some people just you know some people get paranoid later on with it or whatever they take too much also right. but the, some people are sensitive uh, and, 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 and interestingly it does sort of racially breaks break down about it. 10% of people of African descent have these sort of polymorphisms that make them very sensitive, about 5% of Asians. Uh, yeah. So, you know, but this is just the reality. And, there, and it's not quite as simple as that. There's other factors that might play into the sensitivity. So for those people who are very sensitive, so yes, use a product that's very much dominant in CBD that has just a tiny bit of THC, something yeah. like you might get from hemp or, or what we in California, we have a little bit higher THC than that, but it's still not intoxicating the products. That's great. Now these people can, can, can benefit from um, cannabis therapeutics, whereas before they might not have been able to right. or not, not even considered it. And that's so are, you, the, are you saying yeah. CBD is a gateway drug? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, actually, CBD could be a gateway, <laughs> drug, a gateway to THC, actually. No, that's what we find. And, yeah. and people think, you know, we have this pro, uh, kind of a, 
not exactly a protocol, but a, a, a way of um, uh, educating people about this. We go to the senior citizens communities who are very interested in medical cannabis. Totally. I'm super excited to teach all the grandmas of the world how to use a bong. Like that's, I can't, that's going to be what I do. So <laughs> we, we actually deal with sublinguals with the, with the yes. GHC, you know, but we counsel you because you get a wide variety in California of different ratios of CBD and THC. We cancel, right. you know, just increase very slowly the amount of THC until you get optimum benefit for your pain or whatever it is you're dealing with. And sometimes they get a little more THC and tips the scale so they get a little high and they discover they like it. They don't like it, you know, and they, they got to step back. But right. it's all about it's not going to harm you and it's a, yeah. it's gentle. And, uh, and but again, the more of both of them together, it, 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 THC and CBD, it's, it's really a the best approach to keep in mind. And I think that's the biggest misconception. The whole industry is pushing CBD, CBD only. Only, right. And so for me around that as a professional, what I would love to see is the clear-cut data that says this amount of CBD and this percentage of THC in the blend is where you'll get, you'll need the minimal amount of effect, right? So right now with this 0.3%, that's just an arbitrary BS number. Like it, it, it's really not there. And, and you know, we see, as you have said, you know, as you slide that scale up, you'll get varying results for varying conditions. So we really need to get this legal so we can look at this and really understand what ratio of CBD to THC will be optimal for different conditions and different people. Yeah, I, I think the key is different people, more, even more so than conditions. Uh, but, mm -hmm. but there is some data out there. I mean, GW Pharmaceuticals, which has that isolate called Epidiolex, Dolex, yep. now mm -hmm. approved for uh, uh, young epileptics, the, um, they also have products uh, not yet been approved in the United States. So the uh, tinctures that are about one-to-one -one or 50 to 50, you know, 50 um, THC and CBD, uh, which are, I mean, they have a lot of data on what, uh, dosages work best for neuropathic pain, which is a very difficult kind of pain to treat. For opiates don't necessarily do the job. Pain associated with diabetes and cancer and AIDS and so forth. You know, nerve damage pain, MS would, it would be also like this. So yeah. with this particular product, Sativex, they found that 22 milligrams of this tincture, which has a half and half THC and CBD, with a little bit of everything else in there too. Yes. Um, um, work best for uh, neuropathic pain. And then if they increase the dosage to something like uh, double that, it also works, but not as effective. And then if they double it again, the dosage doesn't work at all for pain. So one interesting clue here is that less can be more with cannabis yeah. therapies. That's not generally how people think about right. medicine. Well, in, in America, the more the better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, bigger, well, so, you better. know, you take a painkiller and it works a little bit. Uh, okay, you take more and it works even better. That, that's right. not quite how cannabis therapeutics work and underscores the need for education around these things. Yeah, for so sure. That's just one example. But yet your, your point is very well taken. That's just scratching the surface of one kind of product for one kind of condition mm -hmm. uh, where cannabis can be very effective for many conditions. And that's historically been the case. There's a kind of a consistent or interesting sort of historical record underscoring how cannabis is such a versatile medicine. When you go back to ancient China 5,000 years ago, when the first pharmacopoeia was assembled by a human society, 100 indications for cannabis. And, mm -hmm. uh, they describe it as one of the supreme elixirs of, uh, of immortality. It is said to confer longevity and so forth. It's considered a very, very special medicinal plant. Uh, yeah. So I want to hold you actually on that. I want to hold on one second on that thought because I have a question to that. But uh, before we move to that, I want to ask about labels. We talked about clear labeling being one of the things that you would say needs to happen in the CBD industry. And and uh, tell me if you agree with me. I think the single worst thing when it comes to CBD therapeutics is the requirement to have the total amount of CBD on the front of the label or on the label at all. And, and that um, misconception that that causes uh, of showing those numbers around strength and potency and, and such. You know, I'm referring to the, you know, this is the 750 milligram CBD. This is the 1500 milligram CBD. Yeah. I feel like that rule in particular, that, that number needs to get shrunken down to minimal. And then what needs to be highlighted is the actual concentration, 25 milligrams per ml, 50 milligrams per ml. So what do you, yeah. what do you feel about that? I, I, I agree with that. And, and people also have to understand how to read the label and understand that information. Yeah. And that's one of the key things to look for in terms of, in terms of dosage. And mm -hmm. again, uh, it's really a matter of what kind of range you're 
products a person has access to because pretty much what you're getting now is either an isolate or, or something that's a, well, isolate, broad spectrum, or full spectrum. That's, that's your three options. And, mm-hmm. and we feel that full spectrum is generally better. This is putting aside the question of the quality of the medicine, but I think one should look for as broad a spectrum, as full a spectrum as possible of cannabinoids. Well, I mean, uh, one of the things that you're kind of highlighting is that though, just like saying organic, those words aren't regulated either. So you could say full spectrum and it could be an isolate. Uh, because well, I can tell I can tell you some of the biggest names in the CBD hemp industry are doing just that. They say full spectrum on there, and then we test this stuff. It's just an isolate. So mm-hmm. I don't want to get sued, so I'm not going to get uh, but Please don't say anything. I don't have the money to defend you. So. <laughs> I think, but I think Consumer Reports is going to come out with a pretty broad survey of, of these products. If I'm looking forward to that. That's my understanding. Oh, great. Um, That'll be awesome to see. And they should be, you know, they'll, they'll tell you how accurate. Is the amount of CBD and or THC that's on the label, is it actually in the product? And these sorts of basic questions. That would be very, very helpful to have a good survey of that stuff because there's so many products now. It, it's infinite, infinite number. I say to everybody, Tylenol has four doses. C to shining C, you have four options. CBD is literally infinite. And then there's all of the quality issues. Cost is another thing. People don't know what they're buying. I, I, say, I say, this is my crude example. There's a bunch of people now buying drugs that have never bought weed before and they don't know what a dime bag should cost uh, and they're yeah, getting pencil right. shavings you know so they're yeah, just getting yeah, hosed on the prices you're very point well taken and <laughs> I, th- I think the price there's going to be a downward spiral of the prices oh yeah massive overproduction of this stuff there's yeah. going to be so much hemp grown this summer yeah the price of cbd should come down it could really uh wobble um, the whole industry but but we'll see um, yeah. yeah, but there, again, the point is a smart consumer uh, should approach shopping for health aids and food in, in a, uh, an informed way. And no, no different with CBD-rich products or cannabis products in general. All right. So I want to go back because we were talking about the, like the therapeutic ind- uh, indications and all the different diseases. And what I want to talk about is the outrageous claims that are out there. I'm going to ask a tough question to you, and I don't want you to think that I'm attacking you at all because actually I'm on your side. Uh, I read your articles, and I see that you err on the side of caution. So you'll have really good information, a really good analysis of what the the, the newest and, and, and greatest literature says about a specific condition. But there's a lot of people that aren't doing it. So like when you choose a headline like you guys do on your site, it says cannabis and cancer. Do you worry about the innuendo there? Or do you feel like the way that you guys are doing it is what much more responsible than what's out there? And like, how do you want to comment on all of that? Well, you know, it depends how we define responsible. For some people, responsible is me making what the FDA and the DEA say. That's not what we do. But also, you know, we, we issue kind of wild claims. I mean, you have a situation overall where cannabis and CBD products are being used by a lot of people for different reasons. And how you assess the claims that people are making, how much of it is placebo, particularly when you're getting it in a cup of coffee or something. Uh, and how much of it's real. Now, there's something real going on here, and, and there's a real scientific basis for understanding how CBD works in the brain and the body. There is a lot of uh, scientific data that, that explains how and why CBD works, and there's a lot of anecdotal claims that are being made. And there is something real here, and people are desperate. You know, and we, we live in a society where people are inundated by environmental toxins and microwave and who knows what the health implication of that but ultimately processed food is is really the key factor in certain sedentary lifestyles and it, so we're facing multiple health crises in our society yeah uh, cbd can be very and cannabis can be very helpful but again i i see it as part of a bigger picture just the cbd works the um, best in combination with THC and the other co- uh, components of the plant. So you can the herb works actually better in combination with certain other herbs and other holistic healing modalities. And you can say, okay, you've got a terrible disease and CBD helps. But if you don't change your lifestyle at all, well, right. it's, it won't help as much. Frankly. Right. So you know, again, it, people that it, come to me and they say that they want to take CBD for their joint pain, I'm not going to not tell them that they still need to exercise and increase their proteins and deep uh, inflammatory yeah. foods. Uh, you know? but, as, uh, but CBD can be, or, and CBD-rich cannabis can be very, very helpful for people. Huge. Uh, Huge. And, and there is, so when we talk about claims being made, 
I don't discount anecdotal evidence. I don't say it's less important than, you know, double-blind gold standard. You know, those mm-hmm. studies are valuable as well, but I don't think that they actually capture the full essence of what cannabis can do. As something as amazing as CBD-rich cannabis and it's powerful, we don't have to overstate what it does. Right. It really does it, a lot, you know. And, it speaks and, for itself. And I mean, that's really the only reason I've gotten on board with this because we had some CBD products as they people were asking. But as it got bigger, I was really pulling back saying, eh, this is just a trend, a flesh in the pan. But when you hear the anecdotes of how people were using pain medicines and then they could reduce them, people that mm-hmm. were using Ambien to sleep but don't need to anymore. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't tell people you're going to stop your medication when you start taking this. You're going to start taking it and see what happens and then have a discussion with your doctor about safe withdrawal of your medicine, but that is a success story that's being told. Yeah, I mean, you do hear things like this, and there's no reason to discount it. And yes, on the other hand, it is very much of a fad. In some ways, it's fatuous, too, and it's become like a lifestyle thing. Yeah, you can get a little bit of CBD in water. Can we talk about that? Let's talk about that. I think that is total horse poopy and i think that the idea that like cbd because it's such a trend it's being put in foods new york restaurants now are banned from doing it because they were putting it into their their mashed potatoes and then charging 40 dollars for them you know yeah yeah like, i mean I, I again i i don't rule out uh, edibles as a delivery system as a way to administer cannabinoids cbd or the other parts of the plant that actually is effective you know going back to lsb toklas and the brownies uh it's it ought to be regulated, uh, that whole process. I mean, there's many ways of taking this stuff, you know, uh, administering uh, CBD, but a lot of the products are nonsense. And when you put a, a, a tiny bit of an isolate in water and claiming you've done nanotechnology, whatever, to make it absorb better, it's meaningless. You're just wasting, you know, what you're doing is allowing you the uh, the marketer to absorb your, your dollars better. Right. I mean, it, so there, I, I think there is a lot of food. And again, a dab of tea, CBD isolate and a cup of coffee. Why would you even combine CBD and caffeine? Does anyone have any idea of what the interaction is there? And if they even make sense at all, we actually get a, a report on this. It's yeah. actually sort of a complex interaction. And, and frankly, it doesn't really make much sense to combine it, but it doesn't seem unhealthy. Uh-huh. But you a, know, lot of, so, a lot of alcoholics so, using Coke for the, the 80s, right? So, uh. <laughs> no, you know, there, there's a lot of this kind of stuff. And, and sort of the putting a dab of CBD in, in and mashed potatoes or some other kind of edible. Yeah, it could be kind of stupid. But then again, um, eating something, swallowing something, a, a medicine, a good quality uh, cannabis-infused medicine um, can be actually very even more effective for pain in a deeper sense than you know, the quick hit off of a, a joint or uh, inhaling of a, a vape uh, pen, that can also be very effective for quick relief. It might not be as deep as the relief you can get from ingesting. Well, that and it's uh, a little other, more socially acceptable as well. Yeah, you know? I know. Of course, you can ingest with tinctures in ways that are, or, or uh, the sublingual sprays, but things that are more medicinal uh, mm-hmm. traditionally, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of how we think of administering a medicine. And uh, frankly, in terms of product mixes and, and the things that we have available, those are the kind of things I favor personally because I'd like to know what I'm taking and how much I'm taking and yeah. what is working for me. And I'd like to be able to share that information. Um, I'd like to know that if uh, uh, someone is pre-diabetic and, and they've got numbers for the blood sugar and whatnot, and then they go on a six-week CBD-rich uh, regimen and they come out lowering their numbers in a way that's positive, and yeah. they go from pre, pre-diabetic to almost, you know, on the top range. Of, you know, I want to know, what, well, how much did you take? Because yeah. we get inundated with this kind of request, knowing uh, people seeking that information at Project CBD, you know, from yeah. all over the world. So it really helps, uh, in my opinion, to have those kinds of criteria, which you don't really get quite in the uh, edible, or, or just much, makes it much more difficult. I mean, frankly, it's ridiculous. You have Sometimes you can buy a candy bar at a dispensary in California, 100 milligrams of THC with 10 squares on it. That's yeah. presumably 10 milligrams each, per which square. actually can get a person pretty high. Just yeah. Oh, no, that's how I roll. That's what I do. I, I do go to the dispensaries, and that's I get uh, two squares, and I'm, uh, I'm uh, inconsolable after that. My whole life falls apart. <laughs> well, no, if that was a CBD rich or uh, more mm. CBD than THC, you might not get high from that, or only sure. very little high. And that could be – I don't rule that out as, as something that people should have access to if we can just be confident 
that those squares are evenly divided for how much is in there. Right. And you're not getting wallop with one and hardly any, and you know, that yeah. sort of stuff. 90 milligrams just, in one square and one milligram just, in all the others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that kind of thing to me, that raises questions about, you know, if it's really medicinal. I mean, what, when, since when do medicines come with 10 squares out of what? You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can buy uh, um, probiotics and whatnot, but it's one capsule per thing that you, you right. peel off and you, t- you know it's the same each time. And one should know that you know yeah but chocolate's again, healthy but come on give me a break you know <laughs> well, but i'll tell you though and at the good dispensaries in california we have cbd infused cacao mousse that's a killer <laughs> really so yeah so it's high cbd yeah. low thc and it just tastes fantastic um, and they have some versions of that that are equal but equal cbd and thc that'll get you a bit high which yeah. is problematic because stuff is so good you want to keep eating you want to keep eating it right i always say with edibles you want to like get the edible dose and then just get a whole tray of non-medicated stuff so that way you can corf that down <laughs> why aren't dispensaries doing that get a free rack of brownies every time you buy cdbd you know uh, or thc I mean. so um, well, you know the, the edibles one has to be careful about those issues. oh yeah that's something very very careful no matter what what they say it is cbd or thc it's very easy to kind of overdose and again will kill you but it's not either it won't be as effective or if it's thc uh, dominant edible. You can really get knocked for a loop on that. So that could be well, there's two, awesome. there's two like little uh, cliches that I'd like to talk about because some of my listeners aren't into the pot culture, right? So the first thing is, is like, you feel like you're going to die, but nobody dies from pot. <laughs> <laughs> or you might feel like you're in heaven, whatever it is. But yes, <laughs> but everybody hits that guardrail at a certain point with yes. TSC where you've had too much. Right. And that's why, ironically, there's less problems with drug interactions when it's a THC dominant medicine because you right. just can't take that much can't and do tolerate it. Right. it. Even right. though for those who like getting high, you know, there's just going to be a limit. Whereas right. with CBD, a CBD dominant product, um, you don't necessarily bump into that guardrail. So you could take really high dosages of CBD, mm-hmm. um, which uh, again, we're finding the highest dosages aren't necessarily the most effective and it, and it could require really experimentation to find what's right for a person. And that might vary. Uh, person to person. I mean, the range person. is huge. It's one milligram yeah. to, you know, you're talking about epilepsy. The dose is three, uh, 30 milligrams per kilogram in some of those clinical trials. That's 3,000 milligrams for me. That's a huge... Some- that's Sometimes because, it goes up to 50 milligrams per right. kilogram. Now, sure. when you compare what's going on with the oils, five milligrams per kilogram is considered a high dose for the CBD-rich oil. So you see the disparity in terms yeah. of what's effective and how much you need. So, you know, this is stuff. It's, we're in a transition period. This stuff will have to work its way, you know, yeah. work itself out. And I, I, I think we have an opportunity to, to, to challenge the pharmaceutical paradigm because of the massive interest and, and the potential effectiveness of, of uh, CBD and cannabis. Uh, it may just force the regulators to, to adapt rather than always to, you know, fit the, the, the square peg of into the round <laughs> hole of, of, of the, the single of the market, molecule right. model, you know. Right. So maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm overly romanticizing the possibilities here. But I oh. do think there's so many ways where a cannabis therapeutics and CBD therapeutics challenge the, the typical ways of doing things in the medical establishment, in the legal world that, you know, something's got to give. And I don't think it's going to be the plant. I, I, there's, I don't think you can keep this down. Right. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just plug in my second cliche for the, the non-potheads, which uh, we're going back to the edibles is, um, Edibles start working once you start talking smack about them. Once you're like, oh, this doesn't do anything to me. Bang. That's when, yeah. when you get hit by it. But all right. So then like, let's, let's summarize everything. We, we're here in 2019. You know, Martin, what do we have to do to end this cannabis prohibition? Like, you know, how long do we have? What do we need to do? Let's get it done today. All right, go. <laughs> you know, I don't, you know it, we, we, are, we do seem to be in the midst of the slow motion collapse, maybe not so slow motion of, of, of cannabis prohibition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, there's that phrase from Nietzsche, the philosopher, what is falling, we must still push. So I think mm-hmm. maybe a good push here and there. Um, I think we, we should be smart about CBD and, and, mm-hmm. and not see this as a, a, like leading to a cul-de-sac is where we just legalize CBD. We just emphasize CBD as the medical part. Somehow THC is still the bad cannabinoid. Uh, they're both medical. The whole plant is what we need to honor. And, and there's tremendous variety. And I think, frankly, pharma- uh, pharmacists are going to have a field day once we really, when the, once you can really start playing with the full spectrum of the plant, mm-hmm. uh, for which there's a lot of data out there because scientists are already analyzing it piece by 
piece and, and pulling out one thing and testing what it does in the brain and so forth. So we, th there's a tremendous amount of information uh, scientifically that's been developed that, that in some ways you know, we need to liberate that too and hopefully that CBD, you know, make it part of the general discourse. And I think maybe CBD can be a, a bridge toward that. And I think that, that in a lot of ways that's been the focus of Project CBD. Uh, initially, when we launched Project CBD uh, 10 years ago, our, our, our focus was on uh, translating or communicating what was going on in the scientific world around CBD and, and other cannabinoids or components, and communicating that to physicians, to health professionals, and to patients in California that were part of the whole marijuana experience. These days, it's much more of a two-way street because the scientists are very eager to know what's happening on the ground therapeutically. Uh, you know, what are we learning? And there's a very great conversation that's going on among scientists, physicians, patients, uh, and I think it would behoove public officials to to listen to that conversation, maybe even participate, not pretend they know it all and they can define, say, this plant's the good part, or this part of the plant is the good part. That's the CBD. Something else is the bad part that should still be illegal. That's absurd. I, I think it may ultimately collapse under its own weight of prohibition. I, yeah. I think we have the possibility of shit. I think we should assume that, that that this process of undoing prohibition will continue, and that we need to be shaping it really more, more than um, you know being spectators uh, right. and learning from the states where things have already unfolded, uh, not making the same mistakes, uh, benefiting from the positive things that. Uh, we've learned. So it's crazy, frankly. It's, it's an amazing, it's exciting, story. and crazy. Yeah, it really is. It, you, there's so much energy in this whole space, but uh, and there's so much potential, and there's so many problems in, right now. The stress in the country is incredible. The, the amount of depression and so forth is mm -hmm. phenomenal. Oh yeah, we're all uh, tweaked we're, out. Mm -hmm. We the, need the, pot. The, well, you know, the CBD can and, and, and cannabis mm -hmm. in general can really, mm -hmm. uh, in some ways, it's a medicine made to order for the, our, our current situation. Mm -hmm. so. Martin, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Sending a lot of love here from Woodstock. Uh, I know you used to be a Woodstocker, right? Yeah, I used to live there. Right, yeah. <laughs> Another, Woodstock's wonderful house, but Woodstock, one of those places, no matter where you are, you can turn in any direction. It was beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> it's a so, gem. So, yeah. so we do need leadership in this, and Project CBD is a leader in the the thought and the research and the information, the education around CBD. So, I really want to thank you and your your uh, co-founder for what you're doing, and I just thanks for coming on the the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Our pleasure, Neil, and uh, good luck for you as well. Thank you. That was a great conversation with Martin teaching us lots about CBD, especially about how CBD and THC really need to be used together, but we still don't have all of the data, the science around what the specific ratio needs to be. Martin kind of leaning towards, uh, it's all a very personal experience. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. And Martin is definitely leading the way there. So if you want more information from Martin, he's got lots of really good uh, research around CBD. Go to projectcbd.org or email him at info at projectcbd.org. Org. He's got books, read them. Smoke Signals, A Social History of Marijuana, Medical, Recreational, and Scientific. And if you're really into the stuff, Acid Dreams. Maybe, maybe the Smoke Signals will be a gateway drug to the Acid Dreams book. I don't know. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and we'll catch you next time.